Well, good evening and welcome to Backstories. We are glad that you are here tonight. Uh, The reason we do Backstories is because we think some of the best stories in our congregation are from the people in our congregation and not just the staff and the pastors. And so we like to uh, let everybody know about these. We do these uh, All of Life interviews every Sunday and my greatest frustration with the All of Life interviews is that they are never long enough to really hear uh, the stories. And so once a month we try to do this as well to let people know what's going on. Um, sitting on the platform is some of the great history of Redemption Arcadia. Uh, all four, well, no, three of the four people. Sorry, Marie. <laughs> three of the four people on the uh, platform tonight uh, were a part of uh, Redemption before I even got here. And uh, they've become very good friends of mine in the eight years that I've been here. Uh, And we believed that since it was the Busbys who were being interviewed, um, the suggestion was made by Bud that uh, Chad would be the most appropriate person to do the interview tonight. And I heartily agreed. And so this is Chad D. Miguel, and so he's going to be handling the interview tonight. So welcome, you all. Have a great evening. Thank you, Frank. Uh, It's a privilege. It's a joy to be here with you all this evening. Um, Before we get into this, let me pray for our time. Father, we thank you for the joy of coming together as a community to hear um, our stories, which are ultimately your story. God, we ask that um, we would hear what you have for us tonight. We thank you for Bud, for Marie, for Tina, and their amazing lives, this incredible story that was authored by you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So as Frank mentioned, uh, my name is Chad. I've been part of Redemption for, uh, gosh, I think about a decade now, and I've known um, Bud and Tina Busby for about that time, and we've shared life together. We've been in um, RC community groups together, and I just think the world of of these two, and so it's a a joy and privilege to be here with them. And I've gotten to know Marie uh, better over the past several weeks, uh, Marie Long, um, she hails from, you'll have to say the, the town in Maryland Marbury. for us. Marbury. And the, the name of your church is wonderful too, so. Pisgah. Pisgah. I don't think there'd be a chance I'd ever actually be able to pronounce that correctly. Uh, so Marie is from Marbury, Maryland, and she attends Pisgah Church. Um, Mike's working okay? <laughs> I don't know. Is this one working? No. Hello. Oh, that one works. <laughs> Jeremiah was testing them earlier, so I thought. <laughs> Malia knows the secret. Good to go. Um, so each of these individuals on stage, as Frank mentioned, just incredible men and women of God who um, uh, have walked with the Lord for many years. And um, uh, Bud and Tina are, um, among many things, uh, family. And uh, they have an amazing family. And this is their daughter, Marie. And um, they have a, a really incredible story in which uh, Bud and Tina didn't get to meet their daughter for about 40 years. And so this is a story that we want to share with you all tonight. Uh, it's a story of redemption. And it's interesting because we go to a church called Redemption Church. And I think for myself, I think sometimes I don't, I don't think and reflect and meditate enough on what that word means and what it means to us as people of faith. And redemption is uh, an amazing, transformative, um, life-changing process. So we get the honor of hearing this transformative story tonight. How it's changed Bud and Tina and Marie and their family, 
um, how it's changed those that have heard it, and I hope it does the same for you. So, to begin, Bud, can you take us from the beginning? Where did this all begin? Well, this began in San Diego in 1977. Um, I was working construction between my freshman and sophomore year of college. I was 18 years old, and it, um, as 18-year-olds are, there happened to be um, somebody next door in the duplex that was 17, and um, one evening, it was a serious one-night uh, encounter, and after that, I went back to college, and um, that was kind of the very beginning, literally. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, when I went back to college, sometime later, I had heard that this young lady... I'm switch my mic. Switch my mic. How about now? Nope. Does Marie's work? <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll share. Um, but anyway, um, so um, this was my, do I have to start back at the beginning? Yeah, let's have you start from, okay. start from the top. <laughs> Way back when. I'll try to do a better job of that. 17, uh, I just turned 18. We were working construction in between freshman and sophomore year of college. And... Uh, I was in San Diego, and one evening there was a young lady from the other duplex next door to where my um, construction work partner was living, and so we were having an evening of just having a few beers and relaxing, and she wandered over, and one thing led to another, and that was the very beginning of that. <laughs> and so um, if we fast forward about a year, my friend, we still were in college, and hanging out because uh, we knew each other well. And he got married, and we were over at his house one time, and I remember him telling me that um, all I knew about this girl is her name was Pam. That's the only thing I remembered. And um, he said, oh, by the way, I heard from Sandy, uh, who was my friend's girlfriend, that Pam had a baby girl, or she moved to Montana and had a baby girl. And so in my little mind, I'm thinking statistically there is a possibility somewhere out there that I have a daughter, but since she was living with someone else at the time, the odds are kind of low, so, but it's back there in my mind. So if you were at the time, it was, didn't seem like there really was a viable option of, of pursuing this any further. I didn't even know her last name. I wouldn't know where to go because we didn't have like Facebook or any other media. So I just kind of went, well, okay. Um, I don't have any way of following up on this. So for you, Marie, um, as a young child, what were you thinking? Um, what did you, what were you wanting to know? What were you, what were you searching for at an early age uh, in regards to thinking and searching for your father? So my mom married and I had my dad that adopted me and they chose at five years old to share with me that he was not my real father and of course I was tremendously devastated. It was actually in the middle of um, doing an art project with watercolors and my, his mother was a Japanese watercolor artist and so I was doing a painting and saying, I'm gonna be like Grandma Yo and they um, at that moment shared, well, he's not really your father. Um, so from five years old, I felt pretty distraught and rejected and alone in that respect um, that 
I was only my brother's half-brother, you know, half-sibling, and um, sort of crushed my little five-year-old dreams of being a watercolor artist like my grandmother. And I know that you were, as you've shared with me, that you were driven, you were motivated to want to know the answer to the question, who is my father? Yeah. So where did that take you in, in just your early years? So I asked my mom a lot of questions, and she gave me um, the information that she had, which she thought it was a different person than uh, my dad. She thought it was um, the man that she was living with. Um, so she pretty much insisted my whole life that that was the only possibility and that she was pretty adamant that it was him. Um, but through the years, as I got older, I definitely... Uh, wanted to find out and wanted to meet him. So in my teenage years, I uh, had help from a friend, and we looked up his phone number and address, and we went and knocked on his door. And I was probably 13, um, and he said, I'm definitely not your father, and some very unkind words, and shut the door. And that was the end of that dream and hope in my heart to know my father what was that what was that like for you a series of seemingly dead ends one after the other for your young heart what were you thinking through and wrestling through it created a tremendous sense of unworthiness and rejection in my life and I think that it formed a lot of um, terrible negative self-talk and a lot of thoughts that I was not good enough that I would never be good enough um, that my own father wouldn't want to know me and love me. This is a photo of you here, Marie, and, and how old are you here in this photo? Probably 12. Or <laughs> when you look at this photo, what's, what's the story behind this? You're making a boat here, and what do you think of when you think of this young lady, when you look at her? Oh, I was looking, seeking so much acceptance. I think I made that project for someone very special, and I wanted... Um, wanted very much for approval <laughs> that's what I think of that and Bud as, as life was progressing for you it seems like you had a similar knowing and longing about a potential daughter can you talk about that well for me um, it was just every few years this thought would come up and I wasn't dwelling on it on a day to day basis but I would have these moments where I would stop and think I might have a daughter somewhere, and she would be this old. And so every few years I would think, okay, she's going to be 14, or she was, you know, so old. And, I mean, even the most recent one was just last year, or no, two, almost two years ago, um, I was getting up one morning and I said, if I have a daughter, she's about 40. And I went, wow, I might have a 40-year-old daughter. I mean, so all throughout the years I would have this thought that, okay, I could have a daughter somewhere. I wonder if she's okay. And since I don't even have any way of pursuing it, the only choice I had from the early age, I would always just pause and say a prayer and say, Lord, just please take care of her. I don't have any way of doing that, so could you please take care of her? Marie, did you have any similar kind of prayers or interaction in your heart toward the Lord as you were thinking about the possibility of finding your father? I, d <clears throat> I did. And that makes me really emotional just to hear my dad say that because I know that so many things in my life that I was protected through so many situations. And I can only imagine that 
those were the moments when you were praying for me. And <laughs> but something in you still believe that your father was out there. I still wanted to you had have a, you answers. Had a, I had, yes, I had a, a deep, deep need to have the answers and to know. I think that I was afraid to pray after the rejection and the door being slammed in my face. So I was a pray, afraid to pray for an actual relationship, but I definitely um, prayed for the information that I would know and um, continue to look. What was the turning point for you or some of the turning points that happened after going through, we can only imagine being a young woman and, and coming up against these dead ends. What was that turning point or some of those turning points for you that, that started to change things? Um, I think that for many, many years, I just accepted that I wouldn't know and that was the way it was going to be. And then as I got older and social media became more prominent and then Ancestry um, became popular, then I started to think, well, maybe I could at least get the information, even if he never wants to know me, maybe I could at least confirm that he is my father and find out if there is any other family that would want to know me. And in August of 2018, that was a pivotal month. Can you, can you talk why? I, I had the ancestry results for about two years, and I had um, been messaging many of my DNA matches for a long period of time and with just more dead ends. Lots of, no, we don't know, um, we don't know you, we don't know your mother. Um, lots of dead ends with hundreds and hundreds of DNA matches. Uh, and then my family and I took a road trip, so I had an extended period of time in the car, um, divinely to scroll my ancestry results and uh, my mom happened to call at the same time and so I decided to press her a little bit more um, for details and ask her to give me more specific information about where I was conceived or where I was born um, and she insisted still that it was San Diego um, but after some pressure from me she finally said the name Busby and if you're familiar with Ancestry, it, it's by surnames, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> so as soon as I put the surname into the um, Ancestry search, uh, there were multiple DNA matches with the surname Busby. So I felt like my life came to a complete standstill at that moment. Um, because I think that in my heart, I wanted to believe that the other man, that, that my mom had the information right and that the other man was my father. Um, but there was so many, uh, there wasn't a direct match, but there were so many DNA matches with the Busby name that I knew right away. Um, so after you pressed your mom and were persistent, um, she eventually sent you this, this picture. This photo. She had this picture. Of a young, of a young disco bud. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, bud. If we can get you to do that again sometime, that would be... It... Were you and Bob Ross friends? At the... no. no, there's a sidebar story. A sidebar, okay. Okay. It's a happy little skateboard. So... So mom sends you this photo. 
Yes. Yeah. And then became the search of confirming, um, since we didn't have the direct match in the DNA. Um, we had to do a little bit more digging and research to. So I spent about a month actually um, paralyzed in fear of um, making contact with any of the. When you're on the internet, you can find a lot of people in pictures. And <laughs> so my husband and my sister Randy were helping me navigate Facebook. And um, I spent about a month stalking them from, <laughs> from a distance. <laughs> collecting and saving pictures and trying to figure out who my brothers and sisters were and who all of the extended family was. And um, for a long portion of that time, I didn't intend to make any contact because I <laughs> was afraid of rejection. Mm -hmm. And I felt that they were so beautiful and so kind, I couldn't dare disrupt their lives. So I spent a lot of that time um, just thinking about it and looking more. And of course, the more my husband and my sister encouraged me, um, they frequently told me, these are definitely your people. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely want to know you. So what, what led, so this, this photo here of, uh, of Bud and Tina, this, uh, you came across this so, after the previous one. So talk about that and then. So I don't do a whole lot of social media. I'm on there, but I don't. I'm not comfortable interacting a lot. And um, it was quite a God thing that uh, someone in my Cub Scout group wanted us to have a Twitter. So I opened a Twitter account, which I'd never had before. And of course, I was in the stalking phase. So I decided to put in, <laughs> to put in my dad's name. And um, after all of the apprehension about contacting them, and this photo came up. And so with, with the dates, I was able to confirm that I was conceived previously, so I took a lot of comfort in then making contact. Tina and Bud, um, can you talk a little bit about this, this photo? And Bud, can you explain these sunglasses? <laughs> <laughs> Those were tinted. Oh, tinted, yeah. This was our first date. We attended uh, nursing school together at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And they had a Valentine's banquet. And that was our first date. So, yeah. Love it. So just a, an aside, I don't Twitter much either, or whatever that, tweet something. <laughs> and it was just one of those whim things where I just happened to say, well, you know, this is an important date in my life. And this was quite some time back, if you look at it 36 years ago. So I did this tweet like four years ago. And so it was just hanging out there in space waiting for her to discover it. And it was just kind of an interesting coincidence that um, I happened to put that up there. And then that meant so much to her to find out that, okay, I'm not going to blow up this marriage if I move in there because I was before that first date. And I, how, do you, how do you plan that stuff? So, Marie, you're... You're looking through and, and discovering and finding new and powerful information, and you're, you're thinking through making the first step of making contact. Talk about what that looked like and what those first steps were. So there was a, a lot of discussion with my husband again and my sister because they, <clears throat> choosing who to make contact with, um, deciding how to make contact. So um, we ended up deciding that the best route would be my sister. And a Facebook message. 
but I was very vague in the in the Facebook message. I didn't give her a whole lot of details. So, and just for context, so Sister Jessica. Yes. Yes. So Jessica Busby, um, Buntina's daughter, and so. Um, so what did that first initial contact look like? I sent a message. Um, it was very brief. I said, I am looking for some information about my family and um, hoping you can help or something along those lines. <laughs> Could we please talk? So Tina, Bud, what was that like for Jessica? What were those first interactions? What was she thinking through, going through? Well, Jess was a busy mom of three. In fact, her youngest, youngest was only a couple months at the time. And she thought, why is this person messaging me? And why can't we just text about this? Why do we have to have a phone conversation? I think she was feeling a little bit stressed about it and kind of just wondering, like, what is this all about? So... Um You'd mentioned this a moment ago, Marie, but what, what again were you thinking and feeling as you're beginning to discover the Busby family online and see images and pictures? And So the more I saw, um, the more I wanted to know them and the more I started to pray for the first time that maybe there would be an opportunity for a relationship or at least a meeting, even if it was one time. I was going to be content with that and trying to force myself to not ask for too much. What was your first point of contact outside of social media? So your first, late, your first interaction. Late night phone call. My sister, um, circumstances made, made available so that she could give me a call. Uh, and we talked for a few hours, the very first phone call. It was very emotional. <laughs> I definitely had a hard time telling her the purpose of my call. <laughs> I was talking in circles. I couldn't quite spit it out, what I was trying to say, uh, kind of explaining my whole life story, and through a lot of tears, and very, very anxious and very nervous about where the, where the, how the conversation would affect everyone after this point. I think I felt like I was, my life was about to change, and everyone's life could very well be about to change. So Tina, Jessica has her own unique tension that she's thinking through and wrestling through. What was that and what then did that lead to? Well, I know she had to draw Marie out and say, so I think you're trying to tell me that you think we're sisters, that my dad is your dad. And then the other part of it was it was totally unexpected for her, but then, okay, wow, I've always wanted a sister. <laughs> So that revelation is found, and then Jessica is given some powerful new information. So then what happens next? What does she do with that? So the, the girls um, decided not to let anybody know yet. Well, not, not Bud or I know yet. Um, they, Jessica contacted Bud's sister, Karen, who's done a lot with Ancestry, and DNA research um, just so they could ask some questions. And they did what's called a, like a sibling DNA test and they sent that off. And um, an interesting point is that Jess and I talk typically almost every day and it had been a few days. And I was starting to think, gosh, I hope she's okay. I mean, I know she's busy and everything, but 
I hope she's okay. I just, I hadn't heard from her. And Bud, how did you learn about this? Well, I was at work. Um, I, I teach at Grand Canyon University, and I was there, and I got a text from Jessica that said, hey, Dad, um, it's not an emergency, but give me a call when you get a minute. <laughs> and, you know, Dad's antenna wave in the breeze, because I know good and well that that's not, we don't talk every day, <laughs> unlike her and her mom. And so the minute I got a chance, I went to my office and sat down and called her and said, so, Jess, what's up? And she said, so there's this woman that's contacted me, and she says she's your daughter. That was, when I think back to that moment, I think what I felt was a profound relief. Because I said, my first thought was, so it's true. All these years, it's true. She's out there. And so I proceeded to tell Jess, I said, so this is about San Diego. This is involving with Casey Chukta. And I started to lay out these names of people, and Jess is on the other side. And she almost, she, I think she said, so you knew? <laughs> and, and it wasn't that I knew, but it was just all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is, this is real, this is true, and it's coming to pass. And I felt this profound sense of relief that I would, I would finally know. And then Tina Budd, uh, shared the news with you, and so... Yes, he did, and um, <laughs> you can learn a lesson from how he shared. Attention, Whenever you have some big news for your wife, don't text her at a dinner meeting and say, oh, honey, I have a surprise for you when you get home. <laughs> because I was thinking, oh we're going to go on vacation or, you know, something like that. So got to take that vacation, bud. And we're still married. Yeah. Um, so the two of you decide, talk together and then make the decision to uh, reach out to Marie talk through that, those next steps and that first point of contact for you both? Well, um, my nature is that my heart knew that this was true and this was the right thing and I was not, my heart was not waiting for any DNA test because I said, I can't imagine what she's been through and what it's been like and I don't care who this woman is, she needs to know her dad and if not, she sure as heck needs to be loved. And so I was, teen, or excuse me, Jessica had given me Marie's phone number. And so it was the next morning, um, I asked Tina, I said, do you want to be in on this phone call? And she said, yeah. And so I, we got up early in the morning and we made sure that Marie was up and we made a phone call. And we talked through um, just the first few moments of getting to know each other. And I just found myself in love over the phone with my daughter. Um, it was just, it's like, wow. Because um, my heart was already way ahead of this thing. And so I have to confess that I was just so delighted to hear her voice and to speak with her. And that was just a sweet conversation for us. And um, just to be able to pray with her, pray with my daughter for the first time on the phone, was just a unique experience. What was that first phone call like for you, Marie? 
still very surreal. It definitely felt like a window of heaven opened and God's love was just pouring through the phone. Um, it was exciting and beyond my wildest dreams and that mom was there too and that they were together in the conversation and it was more than I could have ever asked for. It's amazing, as, um, as I've heard your story uh, a number of times now, how even though there wasn't DNA confirmation yet at this point, that Bud was fathering you in this phone call. Can you talk about how he did that, what he did? Oh, so many encouraging words and loving and kind words and just immediate acceptance and unconditional love regardless of knowing that the DNA wasn't confirmed, um, even though we both had a good hunch. Uh, it was an incredible feeling just to receive so much love immediately and acceptance. But I was amazed how you've shared with me just how deeply proud of Marie you were and that you communicated that to her on the phone. Why did you say that and what impact did that have? Well, I was, I mean, there's so many, um, so many thoughts around why did she pursue so hard and and the fact that she was so diligent in her pursuit it just I just thought wow and and to be such a survivor to to all that time not knowing who her dad is but yet still persist and I was just really impressed about that and just thought wow I'm just proud of this girl and I just barely met her and how sweet that is you say that you, you knew in your heart that she was your daughter, but um, in looking at things like photos, for example, there seemed to be an interesting resemblance that was there. So can you talk about that? Yeah, we don't, I, I didn't put those pictures up, but we were at a restaurant um, after, well, we're getting a little bit ahead of it, but there was a point where our daughter Jessica is an artist. And so we saw the resemblance in photos, and I would just show people friends and say, so, do you think this is my kid? And, yeah. You know, because I had several other photos of Marie when she was younger. And so it was just like, yep, that's, that's your kid. And so we were at a restaurant when Marie came out to visit here for the first time, and Do Jessica looked over and she says, Dad, you and Marie have the same ears. <laughs> and we took digital photos of it and held them up side by side on two phones. <laughs> And, and so if that's like fingerprints or something, I don't know. So just the way the, the ear is shaped and everything, it's the same. And, and when did the DNA confirmation take place? That was shortly after, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a... Um, but there was a, a cute incident that happened, and I, we were just you know, texting back and forth from each other. And one time I had texted our dog, Sadie, and I said, this is how I feel. And I texted a video of Sadie because I had taught her to wait. I would put a cookie down in front of her and say, wait, wait. And until I say, okay, she can't have the cookie. So she's sitting there. Uh, and so I finally said, okay, and the dog comes and eats a cookie. So when Marie broke it to me, it was really cute because she just texted me this message with the photo of the DNA test. And she said, and then God said, okay. <laughs> and it just I just thought it was really cute both of us love dogs go figure I mean there's just so much that we find out that genetics is 
God did some amazing things when he put us together the way he did because things that we can share, it's like we've never met, but there's, we can see those resemblances. She is without a doubt my daughter. It's amazing to see the points of contact that happen along the way from the initial photos to the social media interaction to the first phone call and then the first meeting in person with your family. Um, what was that, Marie? What was that like? What happened? I had so much excitement and anticipation over the first meeting. My husband and my son flew with me to Phoenix, and um, I, I still, it, it still feels like it was just surreal. It's just the moment of walking out of the airport and seeing him standing there. I couldn't, I couldn't have ever even dreamed that that was going to be such a perfect moment. Prior to that, you, you had a meeting with Jessica and Tina. Can yes. you talk through that, just what that was like and yes. spending time I, meeting them? I flew to Nashville to meet my sister and spend some time with her family and with mom. And um, it was incredible. It was incredible, again, just to be received with so much love. And it was an amazing feeling to get to my sister's house and feel at home and feel comfortable and um, after all the stalking, I definitely felt like, okay, I can fit in here. I can, I can be in this family. Tina, what was that first meeting like for you in Nashville? It was incredible. I think it just felt so obvious to me that she's Bud's daughter because I felt like I knew her. And so even though I haven't, I didn't know her for the first 40 years, it's been so easy to get to know her because there's so many things where she's so much like her dad, and I just love it. It's just been, it's been beautiful. And then as you alluded to a moment ago, Marie, the first time that you and Bud met, that was here in Phoenix at the airport, so um, what were you thinking as you were walking to, to meet your dad the first time? What thoughts were going through your head? Thank you, Lord, pure joy, and I, I couldn't even imagine having that moment and, um, we we had to wait a little bit because of logistics and work schedules and everything but the the first hug was i mean a little little girl's dream come true can we show the video of their first meeting here in phoenix <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bud, what was that? What was that like for you? Well, I'm going to back up just a moment because when I, um, that initial thought came for them to meet in Nashville and for my wife and my daughter to meet my daughter before me, <laughs> um, there, was, there was some human fleshly things that came rising up in me and jealousy and I had to stop and say, well, wait a minute, she's my daughter. We're gonna be around each other for a long time and it's really good that these ladies spend time together. And it's really important for the bonding of this family when she gets welcomed in by the ladies of this family. And I know Jessica and I know my wife and I know their powerful love and ability to just welcome somebody and I thought, this is how God designed it to be, that's how it's gonna be. And so yes, I was jealous, but yeah. But then at that airport, I was literally, I mean, 
I was really excited. <laughs> and so just to have her come and to be, and it was my 60th birthday um, a few days later. So, I mean, what a great birthday present to have my daughter with me. We had Thanksgiving together and all that, but that first meeting of just seeing her come out that walkway and just being able to run up there and just welcome her and hold her in my arms for the first time. It was like all those years kind of melt away and I just say, all right, here she is. And I was so excited. So the first time that Bud shared this story with me was out in the lobby and this inexpressible joy was so palpable and present uh, in all of you. And um, hearing your story again, makes me think of that God is the author and perfecter of our faith, does truly write the best stories. And this story just keeps leaving me breathless. And it is a story of redemption. Um, can you each talk individually how this has been for you um, individually, but then also as a family, how this has been a story of redemption, what redemption has looked like for each of you? Oh boy, um, there's just so many different facets of it. Um, but as I go um, and share this story with people, because I'm sorry, I couldn't keep quiet about this. I mean, I was just all over the place. And every time I would tell this story to someone, they would pause, they would just stop and go, wow, really? And it was just an amazing, and everybody was just uniformly amazed at the story. And wow, that's just awesome. And I found myself, you know, as my analytical side kicked in, I said, so what's up with all this? And the thought that came to me was, this is what we all hunger for, is to know our true father. And how important is it for a child to know their true father? And that's an analogy for me of how at my hunger for God is to know my true father. You know, and there's a psalm that says, my father and mother have forsaken me, but Lord, you have not forsaken me. And um, a side note, during one of our text messages, I got put in my place by a response. I, I was really being careful with Marie's heart, and I said, so, um, you know, I don't want to be insensitive or be hard on your heart. And she immediately texts back, and she goes, don't worry, Jesus has my heart. And I had to stop and say, well, yeah, I was there at the very beginning for that part, but now Jesus... So there's a true fatherhood that shows up in this. And it's such a powerful story. And so that's, you know, redemption is us being reacquainted with our true father. And that, that's kind of the message of this story. What about for you, Marie? So it's an, it's an amazing thing to look back at my life and to be at this place now and to start to wonder and question, why God, why so late? Why, why not until I was 40? But at the same time, I can look back through my childhood and I can see the hand of God and I can trace all of the experiences and the, the journey that I had up until this point and know that this is the perfect time. And he has redeemed all of my hopes and dreams and that, that acceptance and that love that I didn't even know I needed so deeply. Um, God restored uh, a lot of hope and, and love in that way. And for you, Tina? For me, I think it's just been such a beautiful example of God working behind the scenes. 
I think it's easy when we go through life, especially when we go through difficult things, to just kind of wonder, God, where are you? And are you, are you really working? And I just feel so privileged that we've been given this small picture, really, of what he's been doing in our life for the past 40 years that we were totally unaware of. And then the other part of it is, you know, all of us have things, um, either thoughts or actions that we've done in the past, and we think, God, do you, you know, what do you do with that? And are, you know, do you forgive that? And, and how do you redeem that? And I just feel like this is just such, has been such a beautiful example of his redemption. And then to be, you know, given this daughter, we wanted more children, and we were not able to have more. Um, so that's been a huge blessing, and to, to see the joy from our other children and acceptance from them um, has been so beautiful. And then to be given this daughter who loves the Lord so much, um, one thing I didn't mention, when we first met, I had just come back from Haiti. Well, we hadn't even met, and she had sent me a gift before I went to Haiti of prayer cards that she and her son Joe wrote for every day of my trip. And she's done that on all of my trips that I've taken since she's known me. So she's just been an incredible blessing to us, to our family. Tina, you've, you've mentioned to me how this journey has been a picture of both joy, but also grief. Mm-hmm. And that is a that's a really compelling way that kind of helps understand our, our life here on earth and our journey of faith. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think, uh, and Bud and I have talked a lot about it and all of our family has really that, um, we, there's a part of us that's so very sad that we didn't know her early on. We would have loved to have had her be part of our family, um, we had some fantastic family times when the kids were growing up, and um, we're so sad that she wasn't a part of that. Um, there's this other part of me, though, that knows, too. I mean, Bud and I, were we were very young when we got married. Um, we met when we were 19 and got married when we were 20, and um, we were both in nursing school, and so there's that other part of me that like, God, God knew, because I doubt um, honestly, that I would have married somebody that was 19 and had a baby. I mean, so there's that reality of, you know, <laughs> as great as he is. <laughs> um, so, and, and then just this joy of, of being able to get to know her now and, and have, have our family here now getting to know her and knowing that we have God's binding us together. We've had so many beautiful family times in the last year and a half. It's been incredible. Marie, I know that um, the sovereignty of God and just how, as someone has mentioned, he's been behind the scenes this entire time in ways, in times that we, you hadn't been able to see him. Speak to that. Speak to just the importance that that's meant to you and how this, your journey your family's journey um, is such a powerful testament to the sovereignty of God. I think, 
I think particularly, as I mentioned, just in thinking back at all the, the things that have happened in my life and the places I've been and just knowing that prayers were heard and I was protected and God was with me. And I think I've had a relationship with Jesus from a young age and, you know, my faith has wavered at times, but I have always, um, I've always had a strong faith and through this journey, particularly since we've met, there have been so many moments where, um, because of the ways of the world and all of my own self-doubt, I might have been very quick to not make contact in the first place or um, to feel like very undeserving or unworthy of um, you know, con- contact or of having a relationship. And then God would immediately, his presence would become with a text or a scripture or a message or something would just confirm God is sovereign. He's here in this situation and in an overwhelming way that really led, sort of cleared the path for all of the things to happen the way they did and for contact to be made. So in scripture, we have so many different metaphors that help us understand our relationship to God and each other. But the one I think that is most intimate and personal is what you spoke to a moment ago is God as father. So um, forever on the stage wants to speak to this. How has this deepened your understanding about God as father and that being part of a family, but even more broadly than that, being part of the family of God. So any, any of those two angles or both that you'd like to reflect on, I'd love to hear thoughts on that. I would like to say that I think that um, God as Father, it immediately it comes to my mind just in the respect that there were so many um, things that were out of my control that God was taking care of in this situation. And he's always taking care of us. And he's always eager to give us good gifts and eager to bring us joy. And that's the most prominent thought that I have about that. Well, one of the things that I've, um, as my relationship with God has deepened, God, I, I refer to it as God taking the gloves off. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just God says, hey, I think you can handle this. And he trusts us with more. And as he trusts me with more, I can also have this, as I move into that, I have this awareness of the testimony that he's created in my life and our family's life and everything. And um, the fact that he can take something that was so, um, I was just a petulant, knuckleheaded kid, and then turn it into something so beautiful. And he'll do it in his time when he chooses, how he chooses, and I'm going to be so blessed by it. And to be able to be on the far side of that is just such a sweet glimpse of how he loves me so much and how he loves us so much that even though it takes time, and there's times when I would be, you know, just rigid and kicking and screaming inside as throwing a wall-eyed fit about the circumstances of life, and he's saying, no, I got this. You're okay. And in fact, you have no idea the blessings just around the corner. And so that helps me to understand even more and more that sometimes when those things come up again, I say, but yes, God is sovereign, God is wise, God is good. He is a good, good father. And so just leave it at that and, and trust in that. 
And every once in a while, like she said, the windows of heaven open up. Every once in a while, we do get a glimpse of something like that. And it's such a rare privilege to have one of those little glimpses. And it helps me to think, wow, what's it going to be like? <laughs> Beyond this, I can't imagine. I mean, such sweetness. It's amazing. We're called to share the gospel, but God writes and shares the gospel through our lives. And this is such a poignant picture of that. We'd love to see if, um, uh, if there's any questions um, from you all, for Bud, for Tina, for Marie. Yes, James. So the question was, how did she come to know Jesus in being separated from our family and our walk of faith? That's an amazing question to ask because it's quite remarkable to me <laughs> that I have these, these parents with incredible faith. And um, I, I probably could sum, up, sum it up by saying when I was 18, I got involved in a prison ministry and um, met an incredible group of people and uh, developed my faith through that prison ministry um, for a number of years. And, and in, that, in that setting, if you've ever um, worked in that type of setting, it's, it, it's an extremely um, diverse setting. And uh, there were lots of different denominations and lots of people that just loved on me as a young woman. Um, but it's really incredible to... Um, know that we share our faith and our love for Jesus and that's all, that's been a big big piece of um very profound piece of our journey I see a hand back there Frank in the back yeah. Marie how did you, you and your husband meet I was a I was a receptionist at a company and he was servicing the phones in Maryland and so my phone frequently broke. Just to repeat the question. Uh, <laughs> it's a short answer, but I'll repeat the question for the, for the podcast. Um, the question Malia asked was, um, I had an awareness that I might have a daughter out there, and the question was, does Tina have any times where she thought she might have a daughter out there? No. <laughs> I knew he'd had the encounter. He, we talked about that. Um, when we were dating before we got married, but it was a one-time thing. And so I, and, and this, her mom was living with someone else. So I had no idea. I, I think he may have told me, I mean, that was a really long time ago. So I think he may have told me that she had a daughter, but I, I'm not even clear on that. So no, I really, it was very much a surprise.
So the question was about the family Marie grew up with. Um, they were not believers. Um, they, I have um, my youngest brother here from that side of my family, actually. <laughs> my mom and um, that dad separated when I was young. So um, we had, I had some struggles in that respect, um, particularly have, experiencing the divorce. Um, but then I have an aunt here also from that side of the family that um, God put into our lives um, to sort of step in and hold us together. I have, I'm the oldest of all of my siblings on both sides. So <laughs> I had a lot of responsibilities being the oldest and um, being in, you know, with a single mom. Jessica, sorry to put you on the spot here, but I'm curious, just, just any thoughts or perspectives? I know that, that Tina had um, shared with me, I can't remember if it was you, uh, but someone had said that now that we, um, now that Maria's in the family, it, we feel complete. Was that you? Hello. I think all of us have felt that to a sense. Jake, can you confirm that? Yeah. Another brother here. Um, all of us have kind of felt that. I prayed my whole life for a sister, <laughs> which sounds funny, but I really did. And like mom said before, she, they wanted to have more children and couldn't. And that was devastating on a lot of us because I had already like, we'd already named our sister in like our head. Like her name was going to be Hannah Elizabeth. And it was like a plan. <clears throat> and so the fact that that never happened, I had really intense female relationships you know, lots of friendships and lots of you know, cousins, and my mom and I are very close, but I never had that sister, and so now I do, and it's, it really does feel like completion, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Bud, Tina, Marie, any, any final thoughts? Well, if there's one of the thoughts that I keep coming back to is that um, God is the one who authors our lives, and sometimes, um, if there's any glimpses that we've provided through our story of how, um, you know, what we're not saying and not sharing is those times of abject, deep, dark, what the heck is going on here? There is no hope. But then in the midst of that, God then is able to sustain us through that and how he, he trusts us to um, push through that. And... So I'm just so grateful to have taken the time to push through some of those times and not succumb to the despair and the, the dark times that were there because I come out there and I'm saying, I, had I succumbed to certain things that were so dark, I would have never met this girl and she would have never known her dad. And I'm thinking, boy, that would have been a dumb idea. And so what a blessing it is to see on the far side that, boy, it is worth it to push through. It is worth it to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Those kind of things that come up. And so, just as a word of encouragement, it's definitely worthwhile to um, stay the course. And every once in a while, the sun will shine. Oh! I think for me, it's um, just life in general has been quite a journey with God and 
Um, I know I shared at a women's lunch in a while back how really nothing ever has looked like I thought it was going to look, and um, including this, and um, including my children, and um, but it's beautiful. Like God's plan for us is so much better. Everything in my life is so much bigger and better than I could have ever thought of, hoped for, or expected. And so if I can leave you with anything, just know that he's really a good God, and he really wants good for our life. And just trust him. Trust him with that. Yes, I would definitely agree and say that he's He's also sovereign over our lives, and he's with us even when we can't feel him and even when it's really too difficult because of the world that we live in, even when we can't feel his presence or if we're not able to look up, he's still there, and he's still guiding and protecting and and with us in every moment and waiting to give us good gifts. Thank you. Bud, Tina, we are just so profoundly blessed and grateful to have you and your family as part of our community. Um, Words can't describe. And Marie, we are so privileged, so honored that you would make the trek out here to share your incredible story and journey with us. We attend different churches, but we're all part of the same family. So thank you um, for your courage in doing that. Um, Can we thank these three? Let me close our time in prayer. Father, you are such a good, good father. And uh, you father us in the darkest times and you father us in the brightest seasons, Lord. You are always there guiding us every step of the way. Help us to believe that more truly, more intimately, more deeply tonight. We just thank you so much for Bud, for Tina, for the Busbys, for Marie, for her family. We ask that you would continually um, pour out your sweet blessings over them, God, that they can just enjoy this season together and continue to create more beautiful memories and help us in, in doing that for them. Help us to love one another more and to treat one another more as brothers and sisters in the faith. God, we thank you for all of this in your name. Amen.